Welcome to Diverse, a Society of Women Engineers podcast. SWE gives women engineers a unique place and voice within the engineering community. On Diverse, we highlight incredible women in STEM and discover who they are at home, at work, and everywhere in between. You can find all of our episodes online at podcast.swe.org or wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. Hello, I'm your host, Sam East, and welcome to Diverse, a sweet podcast. I'm so excited to have Grizel Keyless here with us today. Grizel is the Senior Director of Reagents Manufacturing at BD Biosciences, which is a medical technology manufacturer and also our sponsor for today's episode. Grizel, it is my pleasure to have you on today to talk about your journey as well as what it's like to lead these science-based manufacturing operations. Welcome. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for having me. And uh, I'm excited as well to be here connected with you and connected with our listeners. So thank you. Mm-hmm. And we always like to go with the origin story as we jump into this. So let's set the stage, start at the beginning of your career. I understand that you, uh, you started out working night shifts as a medical technologist in different hospitals. Could you talk about that time in your life and how it influenced your journey into the manufacturing industry? Because I would imagine, you know, night shifts in itself, that comes with its challenges. It does. And yes, right after I finished my Bachelor of Science, that's when I started working on the night shift at different hospitals. It worked out perfect because I was um, studying my master's during that time. And then it was about 20 to 25 hours a week. And um, because it was the night shift, it was often that it was just myself and COVID in all the areas of the lab, and including hematology, clinical mm-hmm. chemistry, blood bank, everything in the lab. And I had to cover at the time and because it was a night. The main customers back then, and it was the ER patients. And of course, some of the lab testing that was required like last minute for some of the inpatient hospitals. And I have to tell you that there were never two shifts that were the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people may not realize that um, when they go to the hospital, in addition to the nurses and the doctors, there's a team behind the scenes making um, all that magic happening and helping <laughs> out the doctors in their decision. Mm-hmm. And I love it my job because um, without me there in the lab, uh, the doctors will not have been able to do most of the diagnostics that they had to do there. And I have to tell you, there were busy nights and there were nights where I was like, whoa, this was a shift. I remember one time that uh, I got a sample from the ER and uh, when it went through the equipment, it gave me an alert and I had to start doing dilutions of that sample. And I realized, oh, here we have a, a, a leukemia. And when you get that, you have to go even deeper into identifying the cells and all of that. So I loved my job because of that, because I was given then information that was needed. And um, without me, that, that was not going to be possible. And then mm-hmm. there were also lighter shift and the shift were like on New Year's Eve and, and things like that when people do not go to the hospital as often, right? <laughs> yeah. And that was my opportunity to read into the inserts and sometimes even the equipment manuals. And this was back when there were no smartphones. So it was like, okay, what do I do now? Uh, after <laughs> you take care of everything, then uh, I was reading that and I came to realize, oh, wow, if my job behind the scenes is important, then 
these companies that are making these reagents are just as important. And I started learning even more about BD. And I was thinking one day I'm going to work there because I can do a lot more on behind the scenes when it comes to healthcare. So that's how I started on learning about, hey, there's so much more that, that can be done. And here am I, right? Enjoying that aspiration that I had many years back when I was working the night shift in the hospital. I just love your enthusiasm and your optimism, though, because a lot of people, hey, myself included, if I was put on the night shift, I might be like, oh, my gosh, my friends and my family are out living a normal life and I have to be here working this night shift. But you, you took lemons and you made lemonade and, and it really helped set the trajectory of your career. And it was it was not bad. It worked out for me because then I was able to combine that with my um, education at the time, right? Going into grad mm -hmm. school and uh, I felt that I have the flexibility of doing the two things. And um, actually people ask me about that and they are like, oh, well, why are you doing there? And um, I was like so proud to tell them this is what I did last night. And um, with time, um, in a way. You learn your patience and uh, you feel like you are connected with people so you don't feel that, that alone when you're working at night. <laughs> oh, I love I love that attitude. I need to bottle some of that attitude and keep it with me at all times. Uh, Grizel, you have so much knowledge and so much experience in the manufacturing world. And I know that a lot of our listeners are curious about pursuing this path. So could you really help us understand what a typical day in the life looks like for you on the job? Yes. So, um, well, some people may be thinking that most of my time is spending working strategies and things like that. I have to tell you that um, the main focus of what I do is how do I move the manufacturing sites in the direction for them to accomplish the goals that we have established? And of course, all of that um, while keeping customers in mind. So a lot of the work that I do uh, is through other people. So for me, every day, connecting with them and um, checking where they are, how can I help, is part of my day. And just like I was mentioning in the hospital here, there are not two days alike either. So mm. um, every day can bring its own challenges. You have to be skillful at, um, to be able to shift your mind and quite often. And on their days that I have found out myself on making reports or working directly with business executives. And then right away after that, I can get somebody walking into my office uh, just to share some feedback, something that they don't like about the facility. Mm. And both interactions are just as important because, as I mentioned, because my work um, is through other people, giving them the importance, even if it is just a feedback there that I may think like, oh, let me think about that. And it's just as important. So some days are about connecting with the teams. But when I said that there are other challenges, there could be days where there's an issue that needs to be resolved. Mm. And you got to be believing always that the best is about to happen. But sometimes things do not go as per plan. So when mm. there are days like that, that's when you become a facilitator and a coach to go deeper. That's when it gets on. Some people may find it as, as fun because that's when you get to use all the tools that you have learned about root cause analysis, doing investigations, mm -hmm. and working with the teams to be able to get into a solution. That will also be part of my day. When I finish my day, I try to reflect about the things that I have accomplished in order to do them better the next day. 
I do like to plan my days because if not, then you can get into back-to-back meetings. And then at the end of the day, you feel like you have accomplished not much. But when you plan for it, you can be more efficient. And even if you have meetings that are back-to-back, sometimes in between the meetings, because you already plan for the day, you can get something accomplished. So when it is the end of the day, you feel like, oh, okay, and I was able to go through this, through this, and repeat it again and do it better the next time. Mm. Now, you spoke a little bit about the days that are sometimes challenging, even though you have a very optimistic outlook. What are the biggest challenges that you personally have faced with leading these science-based manufacturing operations? So you're right. When you're working in a scientific-based operation, Sometimes an industrial license it can bring very specific challenges. You have to be ready like on how to turn things faster and then explain how biology works. Something that I have observed is that not everybody may have a biology background and there's some curriculums that may not even include a biology class. So a challenge that I have observed and now I do prepare and I have it like in my in my bag just in case I have to run into somebody that needs a better explanation, you have to be prepared to explain a very complex process in a high level that is understood by a general audience. And and people usually can identify themselves with the the things that they do every day. It's not that easy for them to follow technical words. So I try to look for a way that I can look for comparisons, and try to relay manufacturing to the things that they do that they can relate to. And that have worked out for me. So it is checking, hey, let me see, am I explaining this to an audience that may not know everything on the scientific part and mm-hmm. adapting to them so they can follow. That's one of the challenges. So I do have my my way to explain what is it that we do in the manufacturing sites that I have the honor to lead. Mm. Something else that um, I know it could come as a question, hey, but um, how is it to be a woman leader in manufacturing yes. with everything else that you have to do? Mm-hmm. And in my case, it has been about finding harmony between everything, between mm-hmm. being a mother, between being a wife, and everything else that um, we need to do in life is not going to be perfect. It's not going to be like the descriptions that um, you're going to see on the books. Mm-hmm. But it can be accomplished. It's on a way to to balance to make sure that whenever you are doing either one or the other one, you are focusing on what you're doing and you're doing your very best at that time. Mm. So what I'm hearing from you is there's a real intentionality to create that balance and that harmony. You have to be aware mm-hmm. not to shift too much to one side or to the other one. Mm-hmm. Is how can I make the two work? And that's something that have worked for me throughout these years. And you mentioned being a woman leader in this field. You're a woman in a lot of spaces, although things are changing. It is male dominated. Has there been any challenges specifically when it comes to that? I have to tell you that as you go through your career, you don't realize that much until you find yourself in a situation where you are like, ooh. I have not observed, and it is true. Mm-hmm. I am the only woman here. Mm-hmm. So um, for me, it's all about diversity. I want to make sure that my opinions are just as her as everybody mm-hmm. else in the room. Yes. Sometimes it's not that easy. 
I had the opportunity to ask even a higher level woman one time about that. And um, she gave me a few ideas of how to deal with that. I told her, hey, how do I make sure that if I say something, um, I'm able to be incorporated into the discussion? Yeah. And I don't mind repeating if I have to. I don't mind raising my hand. I just want to make sure that uh, my opinion is included. And while it has been observed that there have been so much advance in that, and with time, we have seen that there have been progress and more women into it. I'm just conscious and just make sure that not just I help out for my voice to be heard, but for the other ones in the room as well, because mm. there could be other type of diversities in the room. Mm-hmm. And we need to be conscious about that. Oh, I love that. And when it comes to the future of manufacturing, do you see emerging trends or technologies that make you really excited? Yes. And there are many ways to look at this. And the first one, working in the manufacturing world, especially in healthcare, we're always excited, particularly myself. How can we, how can we be more efficient about lowering the cost? And how can we make healthcare more accessible to more people? And that is so important. And not just that, it is also how can we continue improving the quality of our products? That is like the main thing that I get excited because the more efficient, the more ability to, to reach out to other people. There's something else, and it is how can we have more visibility and data available so it can help us with making decisions even faster. Something that we observe in our day-to-day life and on as leaders or as individual contributors is that we're looking, how can we make things more simple? There isn't one single day when we think, ooh, there's got to be an app for that, right? <laughs> yes. And on, in a similar way, when it comes to manufacturing, I love about learning about improved ways to have access to, to real data and whatever information can help us to make better informed decisions. Prior to my role in manufacturing, I was able to work in supply chain planning, and the same is applicable. How can we work with data to make sure that we are providing to the customers what they need, when they need it, in the best way possible? So that's something that um, we do in VD Bioscience when it comes to the products that we make. We are helping scientists to be able to have more tools to make the decision. So there's a relationship there, right? Mm -hmm. And just like that is what we're trying to do and what gets me excited about manufacturing, being simple, being able to reach to the customers and making the best quality. And in addition to your role within the supply chain, you've also been a co-lead of the Global Women's Initiative Network Associate Resource Group within BD. Could you talk about how that group helps women advance in their careers? Because you've already touched on a little bit how you need to sort of remain intentional and aware uh, of the representation that you hold being a woman leader in the field. And that's right. That's one of the best experiences that I have had. Being part of the Women Initiative Network, ARG, gave me tons of opportunities. And I encourage as many people as I can to let them know that don't miss the opportunity to be part of one of them. 
In my case, on being a co-lead of the WIN group, I had more visibility of everything that was happening. But even being a member, I will summarize that. And first, it is a safe forum to practice a lot of things that you want to practice for your career, whether it is putting a strategy, presenting to leadership, or being a speaker in a public setting. Mm preparing and coordinating events, there's a lot of things where you can practice and get better, better in a safe environment. And for me, that was one of them. Coordinating International Women Week was one of the events that I was part of it. And it's not that easy, especially when you want to make sure that your event reaches out to the global organization. There's a lot of logistics that goes behind that. And being part of that taught me a lot. The second one that I want to mention is an opportunity to work with professional organizations like SWE to join their events. And it's not just that. It is that within this group, you have the ability to expand your knowledge because of the educational sessions. You meet people from other countries that you're not used to work with, and you learn a lot about their culture and about everything else. So that is priceless. That's something that I also enjoy. And then uh, number three, I will say it is to take the opportunity and to take an advantage of everything that these ARGs can offer, their mentorship programs, their resources to help you out to map your career. Some people may go into this process, uh, this career journey and say, oh, I don't know how to do this. And getting the tools to do that is something that you can get through the ARGs. Leadership interactions. Some people may say, ooh, I don't know how I will interact with a leader. But when you do that as part of the ARG, then when you have to do it in another scenario, you feel more confident about doing it. And there are multiple ways to continue expanding your network. Sometimes there are events like coffee with a leader, and it's an opportunity to ask about anything you want. That's actually how I was able to ask on the previous question that you asked me, Hey, uh, how about being a woman? There was a woman in the organization and I said, let me ask her how she works. Mm. And um, that's when you get more learnings and more benefits. So it was an incredible experience and it still continues to be one that I treasure. You touched on mentorship. Was there a mentor figure in your life who really stuck their hand out for you and helped guide you on your journey? There have been quite a few. Mm -hmm. And it depends on what is it that you want to accomplish. So when you create a mentorship relationship, you have an objective, you have a goal there. And I have to say that I have had the benefit of having both females as a mentors and also some on male figures that helped me out with that. Mm -hmm. And the benefit of doing that have been great. And for some of these cases, um, I just... Cannot think what it would have been without um, having them. One thing that um, is useful, but some people may think it has to be a very specific objective. In some cases, it could be like, hey, I want to be better at the meetings that I have. Let me present that. Or even if a meeting doesn't go well, you can have a mentor to review why it did not go well and just help you to be prepared better for the next one. Or it could be to bounce an idea. You want to you want to execute into something, but you're still having difficulty in putting your ideas together, and a mentor can help you with that. So there are tons of benefit, and I have been um, 
fortunate to count with very good mentors throughout my career. Mm -hmm. And speaking of your career, you've been at BD for 24 years. So clearly BD is doing something right. What do you enjoy the most about working at BD? I agree. In addition, you got to love what you do, right? So mm -hmm. in addition to, lo to love what we do at BD and the mission and the purpose and how we work to advance in the work of health, I do like the diversity of products and all the end-to-end -end opportunities. When it comes to healthcare, it's not often that you plan like, oh, I'm going to need that. Sometimes when you need healthcare products, it can come as an impromptu and make sure that there's product available and of the best quality is something that I love, is that being behind the scenes in the healthcare. I remember there was one time that I attended a sweet conference. And while I was in the BD booth, a young lady came to talk to me and she asked me directly, why have you been working with a with the same company for that long. And then she was very direct. She said, that's not that common any, anymore. Mm -hmm. And I gave her my answer. And I would like to share that with you. I said, 24 years may sound like a lot, but the way that I see it is that I have had 24 different opportunities throughout the time. Wow. I'm always looking for opportunities. And it is often that when I see a challenge, in a particular year, I use that to stay engaged. When that happens, I usually ask myself two questions. The first one, of course, what, what is it that I need to deliver? That is number one. And number two, I will ask myself, what am I going to get from this challenge? And that's when the experiences multiplied and you feel like, wow, I am learning so much. What a great opportunity. Let me give you an example. There was one time throughout my career, and this one I have repeated multiple times, that I have a leader come to me and said, hey, we need to work on this ERP upgrade for the site. ERP are all these systems that we have behind the scenes to help us with our systems. And I said, I am not an ERP system uh, expert. That's not my, my focus. And then I was told, we don't need an ERP system expert, we got plenty of those. We need somebody to guide them to make this happen. And that's when I came to realize that, okay, I said, I'll do it. And the implementation was a success. Uh, but then as I was able to reflect back, without that opportunity, I have not been exposed to influencing others, to reporting out to leaders, and that's just one example of many. So while 24 years may seem like a lot, every one of them have been a great experience because the focus of that particular year. Mm. Again, I love, I love your attitude towards that. If you could sort of describe the company culture at BD, because again, it sounds like an amazing company to work for. There's a lot of people listening who are looking for those next steps and opportunities. How would you describe the company culture at BD? BD is a great place to work. And we talk about the ARGs as one example, the ability to connect globally with many, many cultures, makes um, their very own culture between the opportunities, which are there. I will say that between that and the culture, um, 24 years have definitely flown by. When it comes to the culture, um, it is that ability to connect with the different teams, their multi-functions, 
and connecting with all of them and just learning from them makes um, even the culture even more stronger. Mm. There is a diverse setting of different functions within the organization. And sometimes you think that, oh, it is all about manufacturing. I remember attending one training once and there were people from the law group. There were people that were flight attendants and there was such a diverse group of people and just being connected through the same purpose that we have at BD, which is to advance in the world of health and just make like our purpose, like our individual purpose to be even better. Wow. And you are such a, I mean, we've gone through so many of your accomplishments. You are such an impressive person. We've gone through a lot today. But on top of everything, you are also a certified talent optimization coach. Again, a lot of our listeners, they're, they're hungry for those new tools, those new ideas to help them succeed in the world of STEM. So what strategies or self-coaching techniques can you share with us that have been the most effective for you? in achieving success in your career? And thank you for that question. I'm going to tell you how I first got interested in becoming a coach. And it was many years back in my career, the first opportunity that I had to manage a group. It was, I was junior in my career. And these people that I was going to be supervising had many, many years of experience. And of course, I, it was a challenge at the time, but it turned out to be easier of what I thought. They were able to follow directions. They were very disciplined. If I had said, hey, we have to do these, they were very easy with doing that. Then years later, when I became manager of a more scientific operation, it was a different type of generation. And it, the workforce was even more educated at that place. And it did not work that way. It was not that easy to say, hey, this is the guidance. This is what we have to do. I was being more challenging to that. And that's when I realized, ooh, I do need additional tools to be able to help them and help us to accomplish this goal. And that was um, when I decided, okay, I'm going to try that. But the most important value that I have acquired is, like you said, that self-coaching. So what have I used? These have helped me prepare in many, many ways. When we talk about self-coaching, that by itself is a powerful tool. Just imagine a process where you can develop yourself and increase your outcomes and get better every day, right? That, that will be like, oh, that's the thing to do. And then if you can do that at your very own pace, and if it doesn't cost you a fortune because you're doing that yourself, then that's the thing to do. So I'll tell you a few things that have been very helpful to me. The first one, when you are in a coaching relationship, there's a lot of conversation. So when you do your self-coaching, you have to be listening to yourself, asking yourself, what is it that I want to accomplish? And very important, write it down. Sometimes when we write things, it helps out to formulate better questions to know what is it that you want to do next. Mm -hmm. And on Something that has been also helpful to me in that case is never limit yourself to just one response or one option. There's a saying that don't include or in any of the statements. It is how can I approach what I want to do and add the and instead of the or. As an example of that, I want to have a career as an engineer and I want to start a family. There is an or in that statement. 
Mm. I want to work a project and I want to lead people. Mm -hmm. And as you go through the questions for yourself and putting down the answers, that's when you realize, okay, now I know what I want to do. Next, you have to define an action plan, just like you do in any project. Now you have a project that is for yourself. Okay, how am I going to accomplish this? How am I going to achieve the goals? What are going to be my objectives? And you write them down. And then you keep improving on that plan and do it better, better every time. It has been through self-coaching that I have been able to uncover alternatives that maybe I have not think about before. And I feel a balance. And it doesn't matter where I go. It feels that it is part of me to be able to go through that, to do that reflection so I can do what I want to accomplish and not just that and help out others. Something that is important as we continue growing in our careers, we work more and more with people. And then it becomes not just about what are you doing about yourself, but how are you helping others to develop? And having these tools and using them with yourself is going to help and is going to help you to help others in their execution. There was one time that one associate came to me, and this was one of my best scientists in the group. And she came with a list and she said, here it is. This is everything that I have not been able to accomplish. And she went one by one and told me all the reasons why she felt that she was behind. And I listened to it and I started asking questions. And the more questions that I asked, the more open questions that I asked, the easier it was for her to see that she has accomplished, she had accomplished more of what she was thinking. She came to realize that she had exceeded in most of the tasks. So self-coaching is just helping you to open to all the alternatives and everything that you do and to see things in ways that you may have not think about before. Mm. I love what you were saying there, all of it really, but uh, what you said there about not saying or, but saying and. It reminded me of, although it's a different path, improv classes, they always say, don't stop the conversation, say yes and. And I think that really applies to what you're saying there and that you don't want to limit yourself ever. No. And when you change that and you frame things in a different way, then you don't get that stress and that anxiety of not being able to do things. And you feel more accomplished because you have seen that I have been able to accomplish what I wanted. Mm -hmm. Now, Griselle, before we uh, send you on your way here, I want to make sure everybody knows about the impact specifically you have made in Puerto Rico. You were recognized with a CEO Excellence Award for your contributions in the aftermath of Hurricane Maria. And you were also on the board of a nonprofit organization that promotes Puerto Rico's competitiveness in science and technology. So can you share a bit about what you see for the future of STEM in Puerto Rico? Thank you. And yes, that recognition was very special. Let me start with that. Um, I have to say that even the skills that I learned on the self-coaching helped me out to overcome all the challenges that we had during that time. And like you mentioned, I was part of a nonprofit organization, and these organizations combine industry, government, and academia all together in a group that was collaborating with pharmaceutical, biosciences, development fields, 
and it was about developing strategies and um, ideas, roadmaps, helping out with public policy in things that were going to be for the benefit of the field, the science fields in Puerto Rico. There were different clusters and committees, and they were all intended to expand that ecosystem in Puerto Rico. So during my time there, I had the opportunity to provide feedback to different universities in the curriculum that they were putting together. Sometimes they were creating a new graduate program and they wanted to know, hey, we would like for our students to have options to work in the industry. What will be your ideal candidate? What type mm -hmm. of knowledge will you be expecting? And just being able to collaborate with them and, hey, it will be good if they have more knowledge into these areas. When it comes to biosciences, it'll be good to put additional quality instructions into what is it that they do, some kind of uh, exposure for them into that. I was also able to spoke about biosciences and what is it that we do in our type of business, especially with um, students that were considered in a career. I gave tours to, to them and explained that this is what we do. And then they were thinking, what type of experiences can I get before I start working? And we were able um, to tell them what to do there. When it comes to the future of STEM in Puerto Rico, there are many exciting opportunities. And many people may not know that there's a strong presence of pharmaceuticals and medical device companies in the island. And there are over 2,000 manufactured devices that are manufactured here. And very important, these manufacturing sites meet some high regulatory standards that are needed in more than 100 countries. There's a strong representation all across the board in biotechnology, agriculture, biosciences, pharmaceutical, medical devices, and then that is supported by a strong academic sector, and which means that we have excellent institutions here and universities that are good in engineering, in sciences, and many other fields. And there are also organizations and like this one that I was able to be part of it that are investing and promoting the sciences, the research, the entrepreneurship, all of that, when you put it together, then it becomes the best scenario to work and to growth. And that's um, one thing that I can see on the future of STEM in Puerto Rico. Mm. Grizel, before we let you go, I'm sure you've inspired a lot of people today. What would be the best way to reach out to you if there were some questions they wanted to run by you? I am on LinkedIn. You can search for my name there. And I will be more than happy to connect on with people that may be interested into learning more. Mm. And see, that's the important thing that we discussed in this conversation, right? It's even that one conversation or that one coffee date or whatever it may be that could really help change and form the trajectory of someone's career. So Grizel Kielis of BD, thank you so much again for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you for having me for a great conversation. From all of us at Sweet, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Diverse. Please don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with your social network. You can visit podcast.swe.org to keep up with our episodes and learn more about how the Society of Women Engineers empowers women to achieve their full potential as engineers and leaders. <laughs>